So, Rachel. Yeah? A planet that was able to cloak itself for thousands of years suddenly reveals itself with its inhabitants proposing peace. Ooh, sounds dodgy. It is. Going by the name, a planet where children are the council and a baby is the king. There are adults, (laughs) but they just facilitate stuff like reaching high shelves. I'm hoping for a Bugsy Malone remake. Mm. Troy and Riker will attempt parental roles and the Prime Directive will be invoked. There you go. Yeah? That's. I think you've got it. We don't even have to watch it. Oh. Rachel watches Star Trek. Riker, report to the bridge. On the way. Harry, oh. Harry, come back here. Oh. It's your hurry, Harry. Sorry, Commander. I was just... Harry! I'm sorry if he bothered you. No bother, Dr. Bernard. I'm not going back. I hate that teacher and I hate calculus. Everyone needs an understanding of basic calculus, whether they like it or not. Why? Why indeed. Oh my God, why? I don't even know what calculus is. It's just a more complicated form of mathematics. Mm. You know, algebra and then calculus is what you would take in school. I've never used algebra or calculus in my life. So I think it's kind of one of those things where some brainiac said, you've got to learn this. And it's like, no, you don't. Well, it's probably very useful in science. If you're going to be a scientist, you definitely need calculus. Yeah. But if you're but not going to be a scientist, need it? Hmm. no, everyone does not need it. Everybody needs things like learning how to balance a checkbook and <laughs> critical thinking skills. Balance those, a checkbook. Those are the if things. Anyone uses checks? Well, I know what you mean. You know what I mean. Now that I've started the episode with a tirade. <laughs> Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I'm Chris Lackey. And we're here at RachelWatchesStarTrek.com and Patreon. This episode is called When the Bow Breaks, and it was written by Hannah Louise Shearer, who pitched this story to DC Fontana as an opportunity to better use the families aboard the USS Enterprise D. To use them at all. Yes, because they're pretty much background decoration. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> they're a myth. Yeah, well, I mean, Wesley. That's <laughs> Well, yeah, we occasionally see a couple in the corridor. The story had led to Shearer being invited to join the writing staff. Ooh. And that was from the Next Generation Companion. This is the only Star Trek episode directed by Kim Manners, best known for directing and producing Dex Files. Wow. Fun fact. Chops. Riker limps onto the bridge to get sympathy from Crusher. <laughs> oh, boo-hoo, a little kid ran into you. I-, I was just thinking that he got smacked in the nuts. Oh, did he? <laughs> <laughs> what else could have happened that made him limp from a kid just bumping into him, you know? like Oh, would that make you limp? Oh, my God. If he, if he hits you just right, mm. it's sad town. Oh, <laughs> wouldn't you just be hunched? Well, Would you limp? You just, well, you walk carefully. Oh, yeah. poor guys. Why are those things on the outside? Uh, it's a silly thing where they need to be a few degrees cooler <laughs> than the rest right. of your body. It's ridiculous. Thanks a lot, evolution. <laughs> Picard is fascinated by a trail of faint energy readings. Yah gets three lines asking about the Epsilon Minos system and commenting that it's a fairy tale. <laughs> Riker describes it as a wondrous mythical world, like Atlantis of ancient Earth or Neenman of Xerxes VII. Advanced culture, centuries old, self-contained, peaceful. Incredible technical sophistication, providing the daily needs of all the citizens so that they could turn themselves over to art and culture. 
Mm-hmm. What a paradise indeed. Yeah, what or... Could possibly go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, every time I hear that, I think of the Eloy from uh, The Time Machine. Oh, right, yeah. And, you know, that didn't work out so well for them either. Uh-huh. There's a lot of parallels, actually, in this episode to that. Yeah? Yeah. It's kind of what we do for our children, though, isn't it? <laughs> do all the work and turn them over to arts and culture. (laughs) (laughs) But they will at some point have to take responsibility. Yeah, they're going to get to work. You better work. You better work. They've been able to cloak the planet to evade thieves, etc. Scanners show nothing. But what's this? Troy senses something and says something. Yeah. She senses thousands of minds very close and Picard listens. This is amazing. Hold the front page. (laughs) Troy actually does something that nobody else can do. And it's useful. Yeah. Is this the turning point? This is one of the turning points. There's a lot of competency in this episode. Yes. It's probably the first episode where we have a really competent crew. Yeah. Well, you can actually see why they were chosen. Yeah. (laughs) They stop dead in space to find out what it is. They raise shields and deflectors and a golden planet materializes. A gorgeous young woman with very reasonable 80s hair appears on the view screen, welcoming them to the legendary planet Aldea. She's called Rochella. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember when we used to play board games that required four players, so we would play against other versions of ourselves yes. called Rochelle and Chriselle? <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are assholes. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly, she and their leader, Radu, appear on the bridge through the shields. Ooh. And, complains Crusher, without being decontaminated. Ha! When has that ever worked? <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous to think they've got the technology that can beam through shields, but they don't know to decontaminate. Oh, <laughs> they don't care, do they? <laughs> uh, you know, Rochella and Redu are uncomfortable in the bright lights and soon invite the crew to their place to discuss subjects of mutual interest and beam out. Troy says they want something from us, something we value greatly, so much that they're afraid we won't part with it. I said... I bet they want Wesley. You were right. Again, Troy being useful. Not that useful. Well, but that's very specific information to go into a negotiation with. Yeah. And to get them on guard. Mm, Doesn't help. Well, Riker, Troy, and Crusher appear on Aldea. The Aldeans have chosen these three, and Picard says, interesting choices. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) A golden beam sweeps the ship and locks on Wesley's face. (laughs) I called it. Hmm. The shields aren't working and all decks are being probed. Worf reports similar incidents with several children on board. On the planet, Radu reveals a past where Aldeans died for wanting more and more things. So hmm. they evolved a simple system where something is given in return for whatever is taken. What's that? They died because they wanted more and more stuff? And then yeah, what, greed. Killed each other because of it? Yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't fair or something? It's kind of an anti-capitalism thing. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> there are barely any of them left and they need a younger generation. Rochella was the last person born. Yikes, and she must be 20? 30s, I don't know. 30s, you wish. (laughs) I felt like a borderline perv thinking she was attractive. She was in her 20s. Easy, easy. Easy. The Aldeans propose what they think is a good deal. We just want some of your children, only some of them. And for that, we'll give you information that would take you centuries to acquire. Troy says, sorry, humans are unusually attached to their offspring. <laughs> and I thought, wouldn't all big-brained mammals be attached for survival because they're born so helpless? Yes. Unless aliens have bigger birth canals, in which case they could stay in there for longer, wouldn't they? Yeah, they just drop out and run around. Yep. <laughs> Riker declines the deal and they are beamed away. Beams of light focus on some of the Enterprise children and they are beamed to Aldea. Ratu tells Picard they will be well looked after, so now let's talk compensation. 
I'm engaged. It feels fresh, this. Yeah. This is a good episode. Yeah. It's been a while since Picard threw a good meeting. <laughs> so he, Crusher and Troy assure the other parents that they will not leave the planet without their children. On Aldea, Wesley is playing big brother to the children. There's a cute, tiny, red-haired girl, Alexandra. She was played by twins, age four when this was filmed. Aww. There's a few more kids aged around eight. Two of the kids are Will's siblings. I didn't realize that. Mm. And one is the daughter of the makeup supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> One of them's the kid who beat up Riker and didn't want to do calculus earlier. Oh, yes. Yeah. And they've got the usual assemblage of bizarre costumes. <laughs> Future <laughs> clothes. Yeah. Radu tells them that they've been chosen because they're special and that they can have anything they want. Alexandra steps forward and shakes Rochella's hand. <laughs> she likes the idea. <laughs> On the ship, a parent talks to Crusher and Picard. What's happened to Alexandra and the other children, Captain? How are you getting them back? Toya, sit down. Don't give in to fear. Now, we all knew what the risks were when we signed on, and that's the choice we made. Now, Captain Picard will do everything possible to bring our children back. Yikes. Jeez. Ooh, I said it was risky to have families on board. Well, stupid. But yeah. Wow, she really shuts her down, doesn't she? <laughs> no sympathy at all. <laughs> well, she's lost her kid as well. But yeah, but... Sit down, you knew the risk. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Back on the planet, Wesley isn't impressed. He thinks the Altians ain't all that. Radu calls him the group leader and tells him that he needs to help the other kids adjust. You don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. This is just how things are. Help them come to acceptance, because if your life's not going to change, acceptance is the only choice you've got to right. make it better. But Wesley, man, he gets some good stares in this episode. <laughs> He's like, you guys are full of it. <laughs> On the Enterprise, Data and Riker discover some fluctuations in the shield that might let them beam past the force field. Riker says it's weird that they haven't noticed these flaws. Again, we're getting a bit more of the Eloy situation from where oh. in the time machine, there was this advance in technology so much so that people didn't have to do anything and they became more and more negligent and they mm. just let the systems take care of things. So nobody's monitoring or has noticed the flaw in exactly. the system. Yeah. Yeah. It's a risky move since the holes move so quickly. So they decide to try and crack the code they use for their transport tech. Hmm. Even though it seems impossible, Picard has data to tackle that and LaForge focus on the holes and see if they can find a way to make it more reliable. Again, super competent. Yeah. They've got two different avenues. They're pursuing both of them. Oh, finally. Okay, now this is the Star Trek that I know. Yeah, working as a team. Everybody's badass and they're doing their jobs. I love it. But since these two solutions will take time, Picard knows that he has to keep the Aldeans talking. <laughs> because once they realize what's going on, they'll just disappear again and they'll never get their kids back. Ooh, like the Pied Piper. Yeah. Back on the planet, Duana, who's Wesley's fake mom, gives him limited access to the custodian, the computer that runs their planet's systems. Seems the Aldeans don't really know much about how their own systems work, and Wesley clocks that pretty fast. Mm -hmm. His new mom, I guess, knows he's into computers, so nurtures that by letting him have at it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it seems like the other kids have parents who are more like tutors and experts in different fields. Yeah. Wes gets the custodian to show him where the other kids are located. Duana says, come on, we've got work to do. I'm not sure what work they're doing yeah. together. Yeah, no, All the other kids are just exploring and being creative. Yeah, don't know. Picard and Crusher are transported to the planet to negotiate for compensation. The Aldeans say, what's the problem? Just have more children. <laughs> 
Picard warns them humans are willing to die for their kids. And Crusher says, how do you know that the children won't be infertile here? But the Aldeans insist that it's a genetic problem and it's not contagious. Picard is being very charming and diplomatic and keeps them talking. Although, as far as they are concerned, they've made a good offer. And then that's that. Mm. They used to have children in their society. And they've even had one 20 years ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. So surely they must understand that just saying, have some more children, we're only taking some of your children, is not going to wash. Yeah. They're nurturing people who really want children, aren't they? So that's overridden their empathy or con- or regard for the humans. Yeah. But on some level, they must know that they're not going to take this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think so. Picard manages to convince them to let Bev see Wesley. He's there with his new mom, Duana. She must have been pickpocketed so many times and must really love crappy magicians because they manage the most obvious sneak scan ever (laughs) without her noticing. (laughs) Wesley takes a massive scanner from Bev, passes it behind Duana, scanning her, and then gives it back to Bev (laughs) without her noticing. Oh, man. Bev returns to Picard. Radu says our offer is final and beams them back to the Enterprise. Well, that's not much of a negotiation, is it? No. Radu explains that the Enterprise is in no position to demand anything and displays the Aldeans' power by blasting the Enterprise super far away. In nine seconds, they travel so far away that it will take them three days at Warp 9 to return. Yikes. That's nuts. Ooh. He says he will push them further away if they test him again. Cowsers. Dr. Crusher has got stuck into some science and discovered that the Aldeans are dying. They're suffering from some chromosomal damage, but she's not sure what's causing it yet so she needs more time to test. On Aldea, one of the kids, Katie, is in a room with her new elderly dad. I did worry about a creepy old man, but he seems very nice. Yeah. (laughs) I guess they didn't really worry about that so much in the 80s, I don't know. She's learning to play a weird and lovely instrument by thought, releasing the creativity within without having to learn how to play an instrument itself. Mm -hmm. It's the same piece of music used as the Traveller's theme in where no one has gone before. Oh. Scored by Ron Jones. The dad says, play a happy one now. She says, I can't. Mm. I don't feel happy. Aww. Another kid is sculpting wood with a special laser tool that just kind of scans over the wood and reveals whatever he wanted to create out of it. Mm-hmm. Then he polishes his dolphin for a while. <laughs> <laughs> He's made a dolphin. And they say they have no sea mammals left on Aldea. And the boy gets sad. The kids are showing some signs of being unhappy with what's going on. They're getting stroppy with their new parents. But Wesley is flat out saying, I am not down with this. How did they think that this was going to work with someone so old? <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't have brought Wesley, really, should they? They might have got away with it otherwise. Yeah, and also, or just older kids. I would think they should have taken, like, little kids. Yeah. Because they They're don't know adaptable. better. <laughs> it's true. They're easy to take of it. Like these older kids are, they know what's up. Yeah. They're not going to put up with this nonsense. Plus he's already living his full potential and dream life yeah. on the Enterprise. So he's getting nothing out of this. Whereas the others, the wholesalers that we've realized even before you or your parents have that you're an amazing artist. Mm-hmm. So we're going to facilitate that. Yeah. Not too bright, these Aldeans. That night, Wesley gets the youngins to go on a hunger strike and not to talk to their hosts. So that they will hopefully take the kids back to their parents. He explains to them passive resistance. Mm. Some of the kids like the Aldeans. And little Alexandra wants a snack. But Wesley says, if we want to go home, we have to do all of this stuff, like not eating and not talking to them. Not being fun to hang around with. Exactly. So Rochella finds them all together making their plans. Now, back on the Enterprise... 
Dr. C confirms that the Aldeans are suffering from radiation poisoning, which is what is causing their infertility. It's radiation. <laughs> oh, yes. I can't believe you didn't say that. I know. That also explains their ill health and light sensitivity. Wow. This is great. That, re- that reveal surprised me and I liked it and it made sense, uh-huh. but I hadn't guessed it. Their protective shield is what's killing them. So that, that was a genuine ooh moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Data says that decoding their transporter beam is not going to happen. It's a no-go because it's just too complex. Mm. So they're going to go with LaForge's hole in the shield plan. They time it just right so when Picard is brought in, Data and Riker are able to transport in on the slide through this temporary hole. Oh, weird. From there, they quickly find the custodian. Radu demands that Picard and Crusher make the children end their hunger strike. And Picard says, no way, sister. These shorties are rolling with us. <laughs> Bev explains that you've got radiation poisoning because your cloaking device is messing up your ozone layer. And the kids would eventually become infertile as well. Radu is like, our tech is better. Our scientists would know. She says, and you can tell Chris has written this part of the script for me. <laughs> you dumbasses have been so reliant on your tech that you've stopped questioning how it works. Radu tries to beam them out, but his tech ain't working. Picard is like, we got Data and Riker all up in your business, and we call the shots. (laughs) (laughs) You could have changed it. (laughs) I like it. Radu accepts defeat, but Picard and Crusher are like, you butt much. We're trying to help you. (laughs) Picard has the kids beam up, but Bernard says that he wants to say goodbye to this creepy adoptive father that he has. And let him keep the dolphin so he can... (laughs) (laughs) He can polish the dolphin. (laughs) Uh, The kids beam out, and Radu is like, you just sentence our people to death. Our culture is destroyed. Thanks a lot. And Picard is, dude, you are not listening. Have you got (laughs) something in your ears, son? We are going to help you. (laughs) But to fix things, they have to shut down the planetary cloak for good. And they accept this. They're so nice. Uh, Unreasonably nice, aren't they? The Federation? Yes. They're always doing amazing things for people who've totally screwed them over or taken their children or, you know, attacked them or whatever. Taking the high road again. But taking the high road. And that's what you should be doing as the Federation. Yeah. Don't be taking that low road. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Back on the bridge, we get this closing scene. Wesley? Sorry, Captain. She just wanted to thank you for bringing her home to her mother. Thank you. Out of orbit, warp five. Yes, sir. Certainly, sir. (laughs) Now, what you can't see on the audio is that little girl hugs Picard and he's (laughs) uncomfortable. Oh, finally a payoff for him being bad with kids. Apart from his hot and cold treatment of Wesley, of course. I like this flaw in him, but what I don't like about the scene is everyone's laughing about it. Absolutely. Yah has a chortle, but will she ever have a storyline? Uh, <laughs> really? I think it would have been fine if everybody kind of gave a knowing smile. Yeah. That's that's all right, but they're yeah. actually busting up about this. Yeah. Are their lives that boring? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jeez. It makes a great ending to a great episode, lame and self-conscious. 
Hey everyone, I'm popping on here later while I'm editing to say, to be fair, I've realised that little Alexandra has a pet Tribble that she's had all episode and that has just got stuck to Picard's back. So that excuses some of the laughter, I suppose. Back to the show. That gets us into concepts. They reseeded their ozone layer and cured them of radiation poisoning to the extent that they're now fertile again? I what? guess so, yeah. They can do that? Well, they sure. In about five minutes. They can, it's awesome what they can do and what they can't do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's dead. Oh, well. <laughs> but we can save an entire civilization when we want to. Oh. Relational concepts again, which I like. There's a concept of goodness of fit and how that plays into attachment. So if you're expecting a child who's going to be really lively, playful and fun, and then you get a placid, quiet child, mm -hmm. that might lead to a difficulty in attachment because it's not what you were hoping for oh, right. it's yeah. not a fit for your personality mm -hmm. whereas a person who is placid and quiet and likes an easier inverted commas baby would bond easily with that right, kind of child yeah. so in this story they were matched with parents who saw something in them something innate that hadn't even been brought out yet yeah. and they knew how to perfectly nurture that skill in them or that sort of fantasy of having the perfect parents for you would really get you and would you know yeah. be into all the stuff you're into yeah and the reverse of that, the fantasy of having children who <laughs> <laughs> sure. are really into everything that you're into. There's only yeah. so many board games you could buy, Chris. Eventually I'll find the one that they're going to love <laughs> yeah. and they'll play it all the time. <laughs> That's right. One day. <laughs> well, they'll never take, well, they'll never start dancing again. So that part no. of my heart has died. I know. If you're listening to this as an archive after we've died, thanks a lot for breaking my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and I love you. <laughs> That's harsh. Also, the energy of somebody who's not ground down by parenting. <laughs> like All right, yeah. Rochella. Yeah. She's running around playing hide and seek with yeah. the little kid and they're having a whale of a time, which I do. You know, we both do yeah. a lot of fun stuff with the kids, but mm. I was so much more fun when I was a teenager and oh, yeah. I had people's kids to play with for an hour or two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Kids' adaptability kind of came into play, but I was thinking of the contrast between the first day of school, the way that children often cry, and then once the parents left, they're able to settle down and mm. contrasting that with being dropped off at boarding school at a young age. Some people, it was a wonderful experience. Other people I've worked with some clients where they, they would call that a trauma yeah. to be left there at seven. So sure. Oh, God. If seven? the staff are not nurturing and yeah. you don't have a certain person that you can bond with. Oh, oh God. Man, oh, man. For months on end. Oh. Yeah. That's all that's hurt your heart, hasn't it? It has hurt my heart. I can't imagine putting my kids to boarding school. I know yeah. some pe parents do it. I know some grown-ups that went to boarding school and they loved it, but yeah. man, I just... It'll totally depend on the place, won't it? And what your personality is and so many things. And then contrast that again with being kidnapped and how a child, God forbid, would adapt to suddenly being taken away like these children have oh, right, from their yeah. own family and mm -hmm. having to adapt yeah. to that. But they're so nice. The new parents. Oh, yeah. They're never menacing or threatening. No. And they play with them and they nurture yeah. them. Then we've got radiation caused by isolationism and it's caused climate change yeah. as well. Not sure how they cured it, but they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and But they couldn't use their shield again as a condition of that. Mm -hmm. We've got millennia old computer tech, but scientists who don't know anything, they've become complacent and given over their power because it meets their needs. Mm -hmm. We've got technology like the sculpting tool and the music thing that can just bring music out of your soul. I don't know how they knew the children's innate talents. They did scan them, didn't they? Yeah, somehow, I don't know, magic. Yep. <laughs> Technology Tech. that's so good, it's magic. Being gently thrown days across space, a whole planet cloaked for millennia, and passive resistance. Yeah. I've got to give it nine out of ten. 
Oh my God. Wow. Okay. There's a few things about this. I, I think you're right. I think it's really good. And they had a lot of cool concepts and a lot of great stuff in this one. I wonder about how they befriend the Aldeans, but the Aldeans have this insane technology, mm. which I guess they don't share with the Federation. They're able to move a starship so fast, faster than any ship has moved ever, oh. just like by pressing a button. Yeah. So they don't share that technology with the Federation? <laughs> or if they do, it's never used. <laughs> yeah. I it's That's one of those things that I don't quite get about it. Maybe the Aldeans are like, thanks for your help. Here's some stuff that we'll give you. Maybe they have their own version of the Prime Directive where they're like, we can give you these things. We can give you some data about stuff, but we can't give you technology because it'll unbalance things. Or mm. That's a thing to me that's a bit strange because they sort of drop all this amazing stuff and then they never talk about it again. Yeah, but you didn't think about that during it though, did you? At the end I did. Oh. Yeah, I'm like, mm. what, they're buddies now? So since the Federation's sharing stuff with them, are they going to share stuff with the Federation? What are they going to share? And Yeah, that's going to make the rest of the episodes pretty different. But obviously they don't because it doesn't change anything in yeah. the Star Trek universe. But I'll give it an 8 out of 10. Mm -hmm. I think it was pretty solid. Oh, okay. Entertainment. This is writer Shearer's favourite episode. In particular, she praised Will Wheaton's performance. She said, Alas, poor Wesley got the brunt of a lot of criticism, but he was really extraordinary with those kids and turned them into a little family on the set. And I think it really translated. That's Aww. from Captain's Logs, The Unauthorised complete trek voyages i think it did translate yeah, yeah. some of them were his family <laughs> but, <laughs> oh yeah there yeah. you go <laughs> <laughs> a genuinely cute kid goes a long way to be that sweet but not cloying at all yeah great her hugging curmudgeonly picard was real cute as it well. was the whole thing hung together well loads of payoffs it made sense it had a heart and strong concepts to it mm -hmm. great pace genuine surprises in the story a fresh feeling to it it was layered but there wasn't too much going on I could empathise with both sides. It loses some points because no songs or dances. But there was a bit of a heist. Yeah. <laughs> 8.5. Yeah, I thought it was super entertaining, maybe because we're in the wasteland of the first season. <laughs> but it shows, I think this is the first time we get a competent crew where it's like they do everything that I think is like, yeah, mm -hmm, boy, that seems like a smart thing to do. That's the smart thing to do. Yeah. Nobody's doing dumb stuff. I'm a little flabbergasted because it's a kid episode. You think, oh, kid uh, episode. It'll be creepy. But it wasn't it, even creepy. It wasn't Not at all. It was creepy anyway. Well, the, a couple <laughs> of the, the adoptive parents were a little too close to them. Well, was, yeah, that's true. That kind of bothered me a bit. But yeah. I'll, yeah, 8 out of 10. Sorry. I don't think this episode is a fan favorite. No. I think people don't generally like it. It only got three stars on IMDb, and that's rare, really. Yeah. The one last week got loads more than that, I think. And that's out of over 2,000 reviews. Yeah. Well, let us know if you disagree with us. Sure you will. <laughs> yeah. Sexiness. Assuming the kids would be up for breeding with each other in a few years is disturbing. Oh, God. <laughs> Rochelle was really, really ridiculously good looking. Yeah. Riker didn't creep me out. 2.5. There you go. Well, yeah, it's middle of the road. 2.5. Stupid rating. Well, Troy said a useful thing and was listened to at last. Mm -hmm. Good to see Picard involved for a change. The keep them talking strategy while Bev and Data and Geordie sorted it all out, which they all did brilliantly. Bev is rehired, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> she was amazing in this. Yeah. Wesley kicked ass on the planet. Is this a possible zero out of five? It is a zero out of five. The stupidity factor, it's flawless. Everybody, yeah. even the bad guys, the dumb stuff that they did made sense. It all fit into how they are hobbled by their own technology mm. because they just rely on it so much. and. It made sense. It was good. Yeah. I'll tell you something that wasn't flawless. My guesses. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was no child council or baby king. So sad. There was no Bugsy Malone. No. And Troy and Riker were not parents, and Prime Directive wasn't even mentioned. Yeah. Nil point. Sorry, dear. Well, I enjoyed that episode. Hopefully our listeners have as well when they've revisited it. Hope you enjoyed listening to us. I'd like to thank some of our new patrons. Jonathan Anderson, thank you so much for coming on as a lieutenant. Oh, welcome. Ray Harrison is our new ensign, and he is a very spiffy guy. Oh, is he? Yeah. On the picture. We have another lieutenant, Handbill. They went back to an old episode where I think I'd said I wanted to be an honorary something, and they said I could be an honorary Handbill. (laughs) (laughs) So that was nice. Yay! (laughs) I'd like to welcome Ensign John. Oh, that's it. And John is spelled the way my middle name is spelled, J-O-N. Oh, right. Good job. Good job. Welcome. uh, Also, I'd like to welcome Ensign David S. Oh, wonderful. Welcome and thanks so much for supporting the show. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, head over to patreon.com forward slash Rich Watches Star Trek and check out the bonus content. This month, we've just released Terror Hawks. Yeah. Thanks a lot again to Jason Rainbow for that one. <laughs> that trauma. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Uh, it wasn't a great episode to watch, but I think we made a pretty great episode talking about it. And Enjoy with- your time on planet Earth until we see you again. <laughs> That's the witch from Terrorhawks, as you're wondering. Oh, boy. And with that, I'm Rachel Lackey. And I'm Chris Lackey. And you've been listening to Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek!